Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 11. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have received, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might have come to find first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Bless, O oh Lord, the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, you who are our Lord, our rock, our strength, our redeemer. Amen. Diana Butler Bass, in her book, Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks, shares a rather interesting confession. On her desk, there was a survey examining American religion and spirituality. One of the questions on the survey caught her eye. It said, how often do you feel a strong sense of gratitude or thankfulness? Would you say at least once a week, once or twice a month, several times a year, seldom, or never? Then she read the answer. The response to that question was an astonishing 78% of Americans responding by saying that they felt strongly thankful in the last week. She being an honest person in soul and spirit said that guilt engulfed her. She wasn't sure she was one of those who felt strongly thankful. 
that 78% made her feel lonely. She then went on to mention to several of her friends this particular survey, and their response was similar to hers. What? Eight out of ten? Could that possibly be true? One of her friends, a sociologist, said he didn't believe it. Gratitude researchers claim that if we are grateful, then we are happier and more content, and that there grows out of that social consequences. He went on to say, I just don't see it. Because there's a lot of data saying that we're angry, discontent, and really unsatisfied. Are we not often critical of each other, feeling justified in our judgment and scolding? And if we're not really angry, with those with whom we disagree. We certainly feel free to have our opinion and state it. The sociologist's explanation for this phenomena was that we function with a social desirability bias. In other words, we answer these questions the way we want to be more than having an honest reflection of who we are. Could it be that there are false beliefs or even heresies driving our lives more than we might realize? Paul is writing to a congregation that he's never met one who's wrestling with the emerging heresies of the day. They're quite frankly not sure what to believe. Early Christianity was confronting several movements that were teaching false beliefs about Jesus and leading the faithful astray. The great challenges of the early century to the authentic faith came from Groups like the Docetists, who believed that Jesus didn't have a real body made of flesh and bone. Rather, he was a kind of wise and friendly ghost. Surely not human. Now, the problem with that is that if Jesus was not real, struggling and suffering as humanity understands it, then could his death and resurrection count? Hmm. And then there were the adoptionists, who believed that Jesus was a young man adopted by God at some point in his life and given this divine power from that point forward. In other words, Jesus was human, but he was not equal to God, but he was an especially talented substitute under God's use and control. Then there was the group of people known as the Gnostics, 
The Gnostics believed that the material body, actually our material body, actually traps within it a spiritual spark. And that spark can only be set free when it knows the secret or has that special knowledge, the gnosis. The Gnostics wrote many a letter saying that they had received this special spark because they were followers of Jesus. But many couldn't have it because you didn't have real faith. The Colossians community didn't know what to believe about Jesus, who was right, who was wrong. The community was without a foundation. And without that foundation, it had no direction. Now today we might be tempted to think such things don't happen. But it doesn't take much to see our own false beliefs or to recognize our own false gods. What about the heresy of gratitude? Yes, even being grateful can be a false God. The one that suggests being grateful, being thankful, is your missing key to happiness. The God of self-help cries out, practice gratitude and cure your depression. Practice thankfulness and your outlook is going to change. Now there's enough truth in that to be deadly deceptive. What damage we do to those who are hurting, to victims of trauma, violence, or abuse, when we suggest that they should just be thankful, making their wounds more painful. Gratitude cannot and should never be forced or faked. And it's never appropriate to silence those in deep pain with the false notion that well-being is simply an attitude adjustment away. Thursday's the biggest travel day of the year, and I want you to know I love Thanksgiving. I spend days cooking, and I don't mind the dishes. It's the potential that that holiday holds. The beautiful table is the opportunity to stop. Stop and remember, we really have, as people, a faith that will ground us. That the love that we share comes from the one who heals that within us is the power to heal the hungry and to clothe the poor. It could reset our focus, and I think it's why it's so big as we're running into the Christmas holidays. It rolls up all of our highest hopes. But what happens? Our sweet families and guests will devour that meal in less than 20 minutes. 
They'll retire to the football game, movie theater, or the shopping center. Black Friday doesn't even wait till Friday anymore. Would we say that we're grateful? I bet 78% would say that they're deeply, deeply grateful. Or is it a sign of our desirability bias? There's a great deal more than thankfulness driving our awareness and our actions today. Much of it looks deceptively like a false god. Richard Rohr puts it this way, until we begin to live in the kingdom of God instead of the kingdoms of this world, we will think, as most Christians do, exactly like the world. It's no wonder that our efforts at finding something solid to live by leaves us confused and despairing. What do we believe? Who or what are we following? Like the Colossians, we need the wise counsel of Paul to restore our foundation and to proclaim a God that really can save. It's no mystery then that this Sunday, Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday of the Christian year, is meant to wrap up with a bow and gladness the clarity regarding the foundation of our faith. It is to reset us. And in doing so, to give us abundant reason to understand thankfulness in a powerful way new way. Paul's letter to the Colossians was designed to help that struggling, confused, Gentile community of faith understand first and foremost who they could believe and trust and do so with absolute certainty. Paul says this is the promise Because Jesus is Lord, we've been saved and we can believe that our sins are forgiven, wiped clean. We've been transferred, now living within God's own zip code. And our treasures can't be measured because we share the inheritance of the saints. And if that's not enough, we're given the gift of the power of Christ, the power of Christ, to endure the struggles of this life with strength and patience. No ghost, no special spark needed, reserved for only some, no second-hand substitute God, no faith in Christ, the resurrected firstborn from the dead is the one that can give us a worldview that is both large enough 
and consistent enough to address the myriad questions and problems that confront human life. You want a reason to be thankful? Jesus himself has rescued us from the powers of darkness, and we are made new in power and hope as a child of God. Start there. So the question is, do you really believe what you believe? Fulton Orsler was born in 1893 and grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. He was a journalist and writer best known after his agnostic years for having written the greatest story ever told. You've seen the movie. In his later years, he would tell of an old woman who took care of him when he was a child, a woman who truly lived in power and hope. Now this would have been early post-Civil War days when Anna, a former slave, after her emancipation, went to work for his family. She remembered, he remembered her rather sitting at the kitchen table with her hands folded on her crisp white apron, lifting her eyes to prayer, saying, much obliged, Lord, for my vittles. He would ask her what vittles were, and she said, well, they're my food and drink. And he said, but you know, you would have food and drink without needing to offer thanks. And Anna would say, yes, we all get our vittles but it makes them taste better when we're thankful. <laughs> Anna went on to teach him that an old preacher had raised her as a little girl to look for things to be thankful for. So as soon as she woke in the morning, she would ask herself, what is the first thing I can be grateful for? And sometimes it might be the smell of coffee coming up from the kitchen. And she'd close her eyes and say, much obliged, Lord, for the coffee. And much obliged for the smell of it. Fulton would grow up and leave home. And yet one day he received message that he was dying. And he, he returned home to be there with her. And just as he had seen her many a time, she had her hands folded over her white sheet. And he had to think, now what could she be thankful for now? Just as if reading his mind, she opened her eyes, looked around, closed them again, and said, much obliged, Lord, for such good friends. Ausler was deeply influenced by her uncanny ability to always find reason to be thankful for all the struggles of her life, her struggle for freedom, the powers of racism. Through it all, this wise woman 
taught him a secret that many a person never learns. True thankfulness. Thankfulness beyond politeness. Thankfulness beyond making a list of commodities on a festive day. Real thankfulness starts from becoming aware of who we are and whose we are. Anna understood herself first, last, and always to be a child of God. She had been transferred, forgiven, with an inheritance of a saint. She would endure with patience and perseverance the deep struggles of life because the powers of darkness had no hold. It was completely necessary to give thanks because God had been there through everything. The second half of our scripture lesson is a beautiful hymn of the early church declaring what we believe, the very foundation of our understanding of God's grace. Paul would remind the Colossians and us this morning that Jesus is one God. There from the beginning of time, Jesus having the very same power of God, equal to God. And the whole reason for his coming on this earth is to redeem God's people. Not some people with a special spark, but all people. He's the mirror image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, for in him all things hold together. Christ rules. Christ established the rule through his crucifixion, being the firstborn of the dead. Not your ordinary earthly ruler, not your adopted human representation, This is Christ the King. You can believe that. Period. And that's the God. That's the God that loves you. You. This is the God you can count on, Paul says. This is the one that will hold your life together, declaring that to grasp this is to orient one's life in an altogether new way. He insists that Christ has done this so that he might come to have first place in everything. Therefore, gratitude at its deepest and perhaps most transformative level cannot be a list. Gratitude is the ability to accept God's act of forgiveness, to believe that we are all children of God, that we can love like Jesus, and that as we do, we'll grow in awareness And that our stories, no matter how broken, still shout that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Why give thanks? Because gratitude is not where the day ends. It's the beginning. It's that stuff that we shout about before we rise because we have no need to be afraid. It's the practice that places Christ first in all things, producing grace upon grace, the stuff that changes the world. As I was reflecting on things to be grateful for in this past year, I saw evidence all around us of our awareness of Christ having first place, of our awareness that in Christ all things come together. Because gratitude was more than an attitude and something to be lived, you sent hundreds of families in Cuba the gift of clean water and a new chance at better health. Because you remembered that Christ has power over the darkness. You went and visited the prisoner and sent thousands of cookies, forgiveness cookies for them to exchange and heal the brokenness between them. Because you recognize that your transfer into the kingdom is real, you saw to it that two disadvantaged families would have roofs over their heads. Because you never want anyone to go cold or hungry. Food boxes are being filled and warm socks are being collected. Children all over the world are receiving the only Christmas they might get because the United Methodist women packed boxes, believing Christ is one in whom all things hold together and they must have flesh on the gospel to see. Why is thanks necessary? Because God is so incredibly good And the moment we have the courage to believe that, to believe it, the world blows up in goodness and grace. And it would look like a very different place as a result. Would you join me in affirming our thankfulness? For our senses that perceive God's presence all around us, we are truly thankful for the treasure of loved ones, past and present, who make life rich with meaning and history. We are truly for eyes of faith, for seeing and believing in the sustaining grace of God's love. We are truly for the messengers of God people, events, written or spoken word that came to us at just the right time and helped us to stretch and grow. We are truly for God's gifts within us. 
allowing us to be in service to others. For the basic necessities of life and the capacity to hear the cries of the poor and respond to them, we are truly thankful that Christ is Lord and Savior of our lives. We offer thanks and praise. Amen and amen. Would you rise if you're able for our closing hymn?